A note to our dear listeners, this episode was recorded before the COVID-19 pandemic changed, well, everything. We're sharing it today in the hopes that it offers a little break to the endless news cycle and adds some levity to a time when it's really easy to feel overwhelmed. Please, please stay safe, stay home, and stay well. The FBGs love you. This is FBG Jen and FBG Kristen. And I'm FBG Margot, host and producer. You're listening to the podcast that will help you keep a lid on the junk in the trunk and inspire you to live a happy and confident life. Each episode, we chat with motivational experts and celebs and share our own candid adventures in being healthy. If you're looking for a podcast that's equal parts hilarious and enlightening, well, then welcome to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. Welcome back to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. This is FBG Margot, and on the line today, we have FBG Jen. Hey, hey. And we have FBG Kristen. Hello. Hi. I have, a, I have a special guest with me today. be <laughs> the tiny little dog on my lap. So if you hear a little, uh, it's my neighbor's dog that I'm watching. So if you hear a little jingle here or there, um, that's just Gracie saying hello. Hello, but, Gracie. But I'm hoping she takes a nap again. With the biggest, sweetest ears. They are huge. Our interview today is with Dr. Michael Roizen, and he wrote a book called What to Eat When. Kristen and I were on this call, and it's one of my favorite interviews because I just love the ones where they just give us a ton of great information and tips and science, and you leave going, ooh, I need to try this today, tomorrow. I need to put this into action. And Kristen, you and I were just talking off the air how much we enjoyed this interview. Can you talk a little bit about it right now? For sure. And I agree. Like, I love the ones where I specifically remember having had the interview and then going and talking to like non FBG friends about it. Uh, because I was just like, wait, you guys have to know all of this. So yeah, he basically, the, the big takeaway from this is that he says um, that we should eat the majority of our calories, like 75% before 2pm, which, you know, when we say it that way, I think sounds kind of like extreme and like, oh, wow, that's not really what FBG is about, right? But the thing is, is if you look at other parts of the world and the way that people eat in different countries, that's not unusual. You know, it's not unusual for people to have like the big midday meal. And we all know that, um, you know, that having having a substantial breakfast can be a really great way to to kick off your day and get your metabolism going and help you feel good and have energy and all of that. So, and I'm trying to remember exactly what it was, but it wasn't necessarily like, I mean, you know, the focus wasn't weight loss, but it was, you know, we were talking about like having your body kind of get to, get to it where it wants to be. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you're, you know, whether you're maintaining or, you know, whatever, it's really a pretty simple way. It's not like, oh, you need to eat less or whatever. You you just need to look at when you're eating. So yeah, it, and one of the really interesting things that we were talking about off off the off the air here is he talks about having very distinctly non-breakfasty foods for breakfast, which 
Margo and Jen, it sounds like you guys are pretty familiar with that practice. <laughs> I, I was saying to you guys this morning, because I was taking some leave for a little bit of pain I have in my ankle, and I had to eat something. And I remember, oh, I have some leftover steak and some squash. So I heated it up really quick, and it was crazy delicious with my coffee. I didn't, <laughs> I don't know, that's normal to me now. That is an interesting pairing. I mean, I think most people have done like cold pizza though, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, for sure. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's like an, that's like an easy no brainer, but yeah, I know one of my uh, friend's sisters, she would actually get up and like make a salad, Ooh, no. which I'm like that. I mean, that's just a lot of work for me in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of chopping of vegetables, but yeah, any sort of leftovers, like tacos, all fair game. I'm totally into all that. Sounds good. And we also like, uh, we talk about this before, but like our big ass salads, like our big ass salads are big ass salads. There's a lot yeah. going on in there and that's a midday meal. And I was just thinking my sister lived in Spain for a couple of years and she said she loved the fact that like they ate these big lunches and then she said she had something like scrambled eggs or something for dinner and it felt totally normal and fine and your body just wanted to digest it that way. Yeah. I, my... I do think the cultural like portion of it is really really interesting you know like we are are conditioned to kind of eat this these three square meals or maybe five small meals like whatever it is but that's how you know our work days are set up our school days are set up Mm -hmm. but if you don't exist in that cultural you know construct it's just fascinating like well maybe there are a bunch of different ways that we could eat I mean I know that like when I was a kid and I can see it um with my daughter when she comes home from you know from preschool it like 2 15 2 30 she's starving <laughs> you know she's like a little sure. ravenous beast you know um so I usually give her like a huge you know like a huge snack or almost like a first dinner and then she might have like a second dinner that is smaller so actually maybe she's maybe, maybe she's in on this information <laughs> yeah yeah intuitively yeah <laughs> well and that's the thing you know I think it's you know there's there's something about making a point to do this stuff, but there's also something to be said for like releasing all expectations and really listening to what your body is telling you. And like when you are hungry and, you know, we have this handy hunger fullness chart on our site, um, on fitbottomgirls.com that you can refer to that kind of helps you tune into that. But you know, if you're paying attention, like when are you eating and how much and you know, what do you want to? Cause like for me, if I'm really paying close attention and I don't have anything getting in the way of eating what I want to eat when I'm pretty much on like the, you know, the circadian rhythm. So I'm like eating during daylight hours. I don't generally need to eat like late, late at night, unless there's like ice cream in the house that I just feel compelled to, to have a little bit of, but you know, I just think that's interesting. And it could be kind of a, if that's something that you've never done, if you've always just gone by like, Oh, well, this is, you know, I'm supposed to have breakfast now. And this is when we have lunch, you know, try some weekend when you don't have something else keeping you from doing it or, you know, on a work day when you don't have to adhere to a specific lunch hour, you know, just listen, like, are you hungry at 1030? Should you have something more than like some almonds, you know, and just take note of it, see how it feels and then see how it makes you feel the rest of the day. And I don't know. I, I think it's interesting. And I, I don't know. I hope that you guys are as into this interview as I am because I really, like, I think that this was one that I finished and I had a run that night and I was telling like all the people I was running with all about it. And then did I stick to it all? Uh, 
not so much, but <laughs> it was fascinating. Well, you're going to listen to it again right away yeah. <laughs> and you're going to be inspired. And there's so much great information here. So we hope you enjoy it. And we also hope if you enjoy us, feel free to leave us a review in Apple Podcasts. If you leave a five-star review, we'll read it on the air. If you would like some stickers, we do have stickers. Just send us an email, podcast at fitbottomgirls.com, and we'll send them out to you. We're on all social media at Fit Bottom Girls. That's for Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube. You guys, <laughs> I think that's everything. Here's our interview today with Dr. Michael Roizen. What to eat when. Dr. Michael Roizen is the Chief Wellness Officer at the Cleveland Clinic, Chief Medical Consultant on the Dr. Oz Show, author of four number one New York Times bestselling books, and originator of the popular realage.com website. He is board certified in anesthesiology and internal medicine. He's been recognized with an Ellie, an Emmy, and the Paul G. Rogers Award from the National Library of Medicine for Best Medical Communicator. He has also chaired FDA Advisory Committee and has published more than 185 peer-reviewed articles. He is here today to talk about his book, What to Eat When. Welcome to the show, Dr. Roizen. It's good to be here. Uh, this is the FBG Margo on the line today. We have Kristen. Kristen, say hey. Hey, guys. I'm going to ask you the first question, and we're just going to get right into it. Why do you think we all need to rethink when we eat? Well, the data have been accumulating that a calorie is not a calorie is not a calorie. And in order to use essentially hacking your metabolism, to maximize your health and your weight loss, the when is very important. So calories eaten in the morning are like 0.9 calories. Calories eaten in the evening, 1.1 calories, a big difference. And that makes a big difference in your health, your energy, how you sleep, and yes, even your weight. Wow. So I know that, you know, obviously you know, morning is when it sounds like we want to have our, you know, our more, most substantial foods. And I'm just wondering if you could share a few um, real life scenarios that would help us put the idea of really focusing on when we eat into action. Well, I think the, the easiest thing is to think of have dinner for breakfast. So don't stereotype food and eat only when the sun is out. So my typical breakfast is at 10 a.m. and is some salmon burgers and maybe broccoli and or spinach. Um, and then my typical lunch is almost the normal way you eat lunch. And then a dinner is just salad and maybe a glass of wine and a little couple of chocolate discs. But the point is you want 75% of your calories before 2 p.m. Um, and that data has accumulated over the last seven to 10 years in animals very strongly. But now in the last three years in humans, we have, we don't report anything and, and don't write anything until we have at least four studies in humans. And so there, there now are five studies in humans that show that eating before 2 p.m., essentially 75% of your calories before 2 p.m. is a way to really um, maximize your weight loss and health. And my favorite study of all is a 
study from Spain where they where midday meal is the biggest meal, and they ate most of their calories either before 2 p.m. in one group, and another group they had in in the study eat after 3 p.m. Same number of calories. The group that ate before 2 p.m. had a 25% greater weight loss. 25% is a big number, so 25% greater weight loss. And the key is, again, the key for health is pretty simple. You avoid uh, four types of food, simple sugars, added syrups, simple carbohydrates, and foods with saturated fat. And it's not because they have saturated fat, it's because with the saturated fat comes, for example, with red and processed meat, the carnitine, and with egg yolks and cheese, lecithin and choline, and those in change the way your bacteria is, the kinds of bacteria you have inside you, and that changes inflammation dramatically. So the foods with saturated fat increase inflammation in you to foster heart disease, stroke, memory loss, impotence, wrinkles, even kidney disease. So that's the reason you avoid those foods with saturated fat, but it's only four. Everything else is a food that loves your body back and you can love. So find foods you love to eat. Food is a relationship, just like a marriage. You wouldn't be married to someone if they didn't love you back. You shouldn't have food if it doesn't love you back. So you might like French fries, but they kill you. That's not a loving relationship back. On the other hand, a sweet potato that's cooled and that you have for breakfast, that becomes resistant starch and it loves your body back. That is such a great way of looking at it. But I have to ask as someone who, you know, like I really do love French fries now and again, is there room for any of that? Or are you saying like none of that has well, a place a in room, your life? No, there's room for getting the same taste without the sadness of, the, of it trying to kill you. So in French fries, you can do baked fries. You can put asparagus on um, a, in, in one of the great things I didn't know, cutting up asparagus and, and into two inch long slices and putting a little olive oil in your favorite seasoning, putting it on a baking sheet. This is ba- asparagus, not even a potato, putting it on a baking sheet and then baking it for whatever it takes to get it crisp usually about 20 minutes on one side and then you rotate in 20 minutes on the other at something around 325 degrees, but it varies by oven. When you do that, it'll taste just like French fries or take sweet potato fries or even French fries that you cut out of a potato, but make them, um, bake them the same way. um, And then they're good for you. They're healthy for you. And that's what you want. So how does one choose the best time of day to eat in order to impact your health and energy level? Well, the the best time of day is when Mr. Sun is out. So our circadian rhythm governs our sleep. So you want to sleep while the sun is away. Um, That's and, but it sets it that blue wavelength sets your sun based on, uh, such a circadian rhythm based on a very small area inside your brain, just 20,000 neurons out of roughly 400 billion neurons or whatever. But it is a very few neurons. Look at the, see the light, if you will, and set the circadian rhythm. So 
You sleep by releasing hormones. Well, they do the same thing with food so that you become insulin resistant as the day goes on. So the best time to eat is sometime in the morning, meaning 10 a.m. or so. And the worst time to eat is after the sun has set. And the reason is you become that insulin resistant through the day, which means that calories in the morning you use very efficiently. As I said, one calorie in a test tube is only 0.9 calories in your morning, in your body in the morning. Whereas in the evening, you end up by being insulin resistant, the glucose stays in your blood and you store it as fat, abdominal fat. So the worst time to eat is the later you do towards midnight or 2 a.m. actually, it becomes almost pure fat storage when you do it then because you're so insulin resistant. So I think that it's it's probably pretty easy for our listeners to wrap their heads around how, you know, the timing of the meal might affect our, our waistline and our energy. I think that you've made that that really nice and clear. But I understand that you've also found um, focusing on when we eat to be beneficial to our sex lives. So I would love for you to elaborate on that a little bit, please. Well, it, there, the what you eat um, and when you eat is important for, for example, your libido and every other one of your biologic functions. So in the book, we have a, um, well, the first fourth of the book is really on the, the data about when you should eat and, and the science of it. We, we're science nerds, but we write it in a, what we hope in, in the book, What to Eat When. We've written it in a way that's really fun to read. The second quarter of the book is really on how you switch to do that on a 31-day plan. And then the rest of the book is, as you say, is things for like what to eat when you're on vacation or what to eat to increase libido or what to eat um, for uh, when you're at the stadium or wherever you want to be. Um, so that's what we're, what, and, and so there, there are little different things for women and for men in, in increasing libido or taking care of hot flashes. But for example, for men, um, for a, to increase their testosterone, which correlates with libido, it's uh, fruit is best, salmon is great, cabbage sprinkled with pumpkin seeds. The data are that, that foods with zinc, foods with uh, flavonoids, even dark chocolate in a little bit, and foods with omega-3 increase testosterone. For women to increase the, uh, to increase fertility, in fact, it, walnuts and omega-3s, walnuts and salmon and ocean trout, um, flaxseed, canola oil, avocados are good, as well as zinc, selenium, and folic acid, which are, um, if you will, in tomatoes and extra virgin olive oil. And the things you want to cut from the team are those things that cause inflammation. You have gone through it. Simple sugars, processed red meat, red meat, um, those are things. So we have a sub shop at the begin at the end of each chapter, which is what you want to sub out. So for example, on fertility, you want to sub out chips and you want to sub in pumpkin seeds. You want to sub out corn and you want to sub in lentils. You want to sub out milk and you want to sub in water. You want to sub out cookies and you want to have blueberries and pomegranates 
uh, which both have high levels of quercetin. So that's how the book is organized, as well as uh, some of the things for fertility and libido. What about when you're going through an anxious time, when you're going through a stressful time, when you when you can almost plan on going through a stressful time? Say you're selling your house or someone is sick in your family. What would you do then? Are there, are there sort of swaps you would make or times you would eat? Would that change? Yeah. Now, um, by the way, I, I, I wanted to add um, one more thing. The, the thing that people feel when they go on this, both in the in – the, um, Groups we've tested in my own patients has been um, a the three surprises are one is they sleep much better when they eat less at night it, it is not a little bit of better sleep but a logarithm of better sleep. The second thing is um, they uh, don't feel hungry at night, and the third thing is and and this we were skeptics when we read the science both Dr. Crupain and myself. Yeah, he's the co-author, Dr. Coupin and myself were skeptics, so we tried this, and the incredible thing is you feel much more energy. I felt the energy of someone 20 years younger. The anxiousness is what you want to do is have something crunchy. So many people would take cut-up vegetables. That's pretty hard to prepare in advance. But what you can prepare in advance and put in a jar and take with you in your purse or take with you if you're a guy, you can put it on your your desk or in your car is um, roasted chickpeas. Really easy to make. Take a couple um, cans of chickpeas, you empty them out, drain them, wash them, and you put them in a little pot with some olive oil and your favorite seasonings. Mine are curcumin, rosemary, and garlic. Rub them around or turn them around in that bowl. Then you put them on a baking sheet, uh, 400 degrees for about uh 40 minutes, turn them once in that time, and you've got these great, and it varies a little by um, oven, which whether your oven runs hot or cold, but you do that, and all of a sudden, it tastes just absolutely uh, crunchy and delicious, and you can take them with you, so it's a great thing for relieving stress or anxiety. Avoid doing more than anything, by the way. I didn't tell you, you, you asked me that, I forgot to say, is... You want to avoid going through the the fast food restaurant at that time or the, the drive-through lane, which is a common thing um, that people do when they get anxious. So avoid that by having these prepared in advance. So crunchy vegetables or uh, roasted chickpeas, which are my favorite. So you've offered some really good tips for including really good for you foods in a way that makes them taste a little bit more like a treat. So I wonder if you could offer some other if you have any other recipes that you'd like to share for kind of under underutilized, under the radar foods that we might want to get more of into our diets. Well, I told you my favorite, and I, I hate to say, I say this is, is salmon burgers. So I have no relationship with Costco, no financial relationship, no stock, et cetera. But Costco has the overage of the Alaska salmon run, both in its fillets and burgers. The burgers, I just fry at night and I have often so I brought two to work today to have as my lunch. In addition I had a but my favorite of all recipes is a salmon filet that's mustard crusted with some walnuts. So I take a one ounce pack of walnuts, I literally pound them on the table, just slam them on the table and crunch them to get them real small. 
And then, so they're really small bits. I take one of those salmon fillets that I've defrosted um, since yet since this morning in um, since last morning I did it and I cooked it last night. But in the refrigerator, I put a little mustard, and you can put your favorite kind of mustard. I actually put a yellow mustard because it's made with turmeric rather than a real mustard seed. So it actually, one of those packs has the exact right dose. The only reason to go to McDonald's is to grab those mustard packs when you're eating, having coffee. And the mustard packs are great. They're 17 milligrams of turmeric per pack. You put two on a little four-ounce filet, and then you put on top of it walnuts, that walnut pack you think, put it in an oven with the skin still on it, put a little tinfoil over it if you want, but I don't. Um, so you, you do it depending on how your oven is, but it doesn't take very long to uh, bake it or roast it. And then uh, you get a spatula and, un- and separate the skin and it from the pan, and you got a great uh, piece of uh, salmon, and I love that for a breakfast. So I don't know if that fits my favorite uncovered food. Oh, yeah. Uh, the other... The other one is I will take, <laughs> this is using uh, walnuts again, but I take uh, these 22-calorie discs that are sold as, uh, I think they're sold as Finess, F-I-N-N-E-S-S, like that. But they're 22-calorie um, chocolate discs. I melt them in a little pan. It doesn't take very long, and two or three of them, and then I drip them over some walnuts, and that's a great late afternoon snack um, 30 minutes before I'm going to have salad for dinner, which is what I normally have for dinner with salad with uh, um, a balsamic and extra virgin olive oil dressing. So those are, those are just my favorite things to have, and I can go, in, I can go into the more, more, but that those are my favorites. So, can you share any stories of patients who changed their lives for the better by changing how and when they ate? Yeah. So, when we were at one of my, this is a crazy one of my favorites because as we were writing the book, we we not only had a lot of um, subjects, for example, for the Dr. Oz show, we had subjects, but. One of my favorite was actually the book editor. So the book editor had told us that she, she, we, we hadn't seen her. She was just the editor chosen. She was 168 pounds. And she said, my real weight should be 128 and five, three or five, four. I can't remember. And so she went on this and uh, literally as she was reading the chapters and editing them, she went on it. Um, this is uh, in mid-2017 and uh, lost 40 pounds over a three-month period and has kept it off. So it is. It, she, she said, this is the best book I've ever edited. Um, even, if, even if it uh, isn't great for anyone else, it was great for me. That's actually my favorite story. So I don't know if you, uh, she lets me tell her name. So it's Lisa from uh, I don't know if you know, if you worked at National Geo, but if you know Lisa, that's the the person who did it. I used to work for Fitness Magazine. 
I was their PR person, and the best part of the job was I. They always always try out recipes and workouts and stuff like that on me, and it was just the best learning ever. So I get, I, I'm very happy for Lisa. <laughs> We've had a bunch a bunch of the people on on the Oz show actually they had the same reaction that the other the other subjects and the um, patients have is they find they have much more energy and all of a sudden start sleeping better. Um, so those are the two things that, that I think are the biggest surprises for people. And we're, we're in fact the biggest surprises for Dr. Coupain and myself. I'm really glad that you, you mentioned that because my next question was actually going to be the fact that, um, you know, a lot of our listeners are, are not necessarily looking for weight loss, but I mean, I think we can all that we to be, you know, we would like to sleep better. We would like to have more energy. We would like to just feel better. So I think that that's, that's a really strong, um, I mean, Lisa's story is great as well, of course, but yeah, I think that's, that's super. I have one thing that keeps on popping into my head and, you know, as you're talking about this, you're sharing your breakfast and honestly, you know, it sounds delicious. It sounds really doable, except for the fact that, um, you know, a lot of our sudden happens at night after dark with friends. And as we know, food tends to be social. So what, what tips could you offer for navigating that if we're really, you know, trying to make some changes and we like the idea of this, but we don't want to lose out on our social lives? Well, as long as your social life isn't every night, but it's a couple nights a week, then you can do it. But the easy way of doing it is just is, for example, if you're invited out, you say to the person, I'm mainly into eating vegetables and salad. Is that okay? I've never had that not be okay when a friend invites you out. And if you go to a restaurant, they always have these sides and you can modify it. So last night I ate at one of the restaurants in Cleveland and what I had was they had sweet potato fries as well as broiled broccoli with garlic, and uh, they had a one more. I'll think of what it was in a few seconds. But anyway, so the sweet potato fries, they said, are those fried? And they said, yes. And I said, would you mind making them, if you would, uh, with the sweet potatoes you've also got, but make them and bake them? And they said, sure, we'll do that. It'll take 15 minutes more. But they did it, and I didn't mind the 15 minutes more because that was 15 minutes more socialization. And then they had a Greek salad that I had without feta and um, the uh, broccoli, which was already just with garlic. And you say, do it with olive oil and not with anything else. But you can always get, I'm, I'm trying to, oh, the other one was uh, cauliflower, uh, roasted cauliflower. So you can always have those three veggies and, and some salad. And that way, you really are getting 75% of your calories before 2 p.m. And you're still socializing, still had a glass of wine, still had a uh, chocolate disc for dessert, but all, if you will, all in all, was a very low calorie and high socialization meal. The other part of the socialization actually was the person I was eating with wanted to learn how to do the, the, the eat the when way, as we call it. So you can go to whenway.com to find more recipe. I, we got a ton of recipes there as well as more stuff about the book, but she, the person I was eating with wanted to eat the when, learn the when way too. So the socialization was partially showing them how you order when you go out to eat when the restaurant doesn't normally have 
that type of food there, but it's more than willing to prepare it for you. It's a little tough, though, sometimes when you have friends or family members who are foodies and and really like to make like I, I have friends that like to make multiple course meals and they, they start a little bit later. Do you have any advice about that? Um, one day of badness isn't going to ruin you. Okay. So one day of, of, of like unhealthy eating doesn't ruin you. We, we in fact, say, I in fact say you should have four cheat days a year, which I have is an anniversary day, a birthday, Thanksgiving, and usually one other holiday. But um, four, four cheat days is no problem. But even two a week, uh, it doesn't ruin this at all. So just go back to it afterwards. It, it's, you know, a little bit of... Uh, of a problem for a few days is no big deal. And in fact, that's one of, we have 10 commandments in the, uh, in, in the end and it says mistakes shouldn't derail you is number six. Don't worry if you eat a big dinner or stop eating the one way for a day or two, just pick things back up tomorrow. That really does work. Good advice. Absolutely. So I, I understand that mindfulness also plays a significant role in the when way. So could you offer a few of your mindful eating tips? Well, the, the key on being mindful is think about what you're eating. So you don't have to eat. A, if you order the extra large, for example, immediately separate it so you take uh, half home. And you don't have to eat right out of the bag. We, one of the things is um, to always put it on a plate so you eat mindfully. And it isn't, as Dr. Oz says it best, and I don't know if I'm quoting him exactly, but he says it, it isn't the first or second bite that kills you. It's the 121st bite. Um, it is, you know, it isn't the first cookie that gets you, does you in. Um, it's the whole rest of the bag over in the corner looking mournful. So it's okay to give in once in a while, but don't, you know, if someone says take it home as a, as a, uh, um, leftover, make sure you throw it out on the way home because most of the, you know, if you're taking the whole pie home as a leftover, uh, no one will know you did it. They were happy you took it home and that you threw it out makes your body happier and keeps you healthier, which is really so that you'll be around to share other events with them. How long were you working on this book? How long did it take you to create this? I'll give you two stories. This took two years. Um, but the, you know, I'm a science nerd, so we gather the research as we're going along and um, helping people at the Cleveland Clinic where I have a day job to get healthier as well. But this is, it took two years, but that's mostly evening and weekend writing. It's all evening and weekend writing. But the other, you should know, when I was writing books with Dr. Oz as my book writing partner, we wrote, wrote 10 in 10 years. So he's a pretty good slave driver of one a year, boom, 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 you know, makes you um, hone the message. And he and I worked together literally 40 hours a week in the evenings and weekends for 10 years to get those 10 done. Um, because there was so much information we wanted people to understand about their health. Um, this, I was the lead author on, it wasn't as much of a slave driver in getting it done. I feel like I need I need somebody to to keep me in line like that. That sounds difficult, but also like it would solve a lot of my problems. You had you had mentioned the I think you said the study in Spain where there was a twenty five percent difference in weight loss with people who ate 
what was it before two o'clock or after three o'clock? And that sounds like that was one of those right. statistics that really, really took you by surprise. And I'm wondering, yeah, with all the rec- you never think they ate the same number of calories. Yeah, so you, you. We grew up in in medical school, thinking a calorie is a calorie is a calorie, and it is in the test tube. But in your body, it doesn't function that way. And that's why this is really the the eating the win way, as we call it, um, or um, this, what we've got described in the book, is in fact a way of hacking your metabolism, as I said, to maximize your health weight loss. And it's a total surprise. You know, in other words, if you looked at it, um, and as I said, we were real cynics that this would actually work started it about three and, a half, three and a half years ago now. Were there any other um, any other statistics or any other studies that you found that... Um... Oh, oh, there were there were a whole bunch. Um, yeah. One of the, uh, one of the most, I suppose one of the other most interesting ones is because you don't believe people can live this way. The Brigham and Women's, um, they put people for 20 weeks in, in a set of rooms where they couldn't see the outside world, they had no light cues, they were fed exact food, and they shifted their circadian rhythms. They were allowed to watch Netflix or some other uh, things like that, but without time on the computers and, and on the screens. And you say for 20 weeks they lived like this? And how, how could people live like that? But they did. And what they showed was no matter what time they switch them to, you should be eating early in your awake period. So if you're a night shift worker, you want to eat 75% of your calories eight or more hours before you go to bed to maximize your health. As you know, night shift workers have a lot of problems with diabetes, obesity, early heart disease, even increased incidences of cancer and dementia. And this is probably why, because they eat food mainly late in their period and much worse quality and amounts of food than those of us who do daytime eating because of the shift to night shift. So that was perhaps one of the most uh, interesting studies. Another one I must I'll tell you is, is my favorite of the animal studies. There are a lot of animal studies now over about 10 years, but my favorite is in the Drosophila or fruit fry. The fruit fly has a cardiovascular system that's closest to humans of all the animals I believe we know of, all the, um, including many of the mammals. And when you let the fruit flies eat round the clock, like we do now because of fast food restaurants and certain restaurants advertising eat the fourth meal, et cetera, they develop heart failure about in their early middle age, about what humans would be at 40. Um, so, and not only do they develop partially, but they develop diabetes and all the other signs and they can't fly as well, et cetera. When you then shift them back to what we call time-restricted eating, where they only get food for 10 hours like we advocate in the, in the book and they eat most of it early in their awake period, you reverse the heart failure, you reverse the cardiac disease and the diabetes, and they're able to fly normally. So um, that was one of the most interesting studies out of, that was, I think, from UC San Diego. Um, So the studies are from around the world now, 
but the the that's got to be my favorite animal study. Um, so, Kristen, do you have anything else you wanted to ask Dr. Royzen? No, I'm good. Yeah, I am too. Thank you so much. This is so much great information. Um, can we please ask you to give us your social media call-outs and name the book again, please, and where they can get it? Yeah, the, the best way is you can get it any place. It's at Amazon, Costco, BJ's, Barnes & Noble, uh, Sam's Club, etc. Um, and I hope it's at your local bookstore, which is where I would tell you it is my favorite place to go. The book is What to Eat When. The uh, website is whenway.com. The Instagram is when.way. And uh, if you want to follow me, I'm at Dr. Mike Royzen. Um, and we put out a whole bunch of recipes as well as answer questions. You can ask us questions at questions at whenway.com. That's great. And can you answer one more question for us, please? We ask this of everybody who appears on the show. Absolutely. This is, this is so much fun. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. So we just had the one more question we ask it of everybody who appears on the show. I hope you enjoy this question. And it is, what was the last song you listened to before you did this podcast interview? Um, you know, it had to, believe it or not, I play um, uh, Frankie Valley on the way to work often. Oh. And so the last one I listened to was in my car on the way to work, and it was uh, Oh, What a Night. That's one of my favorite songs by him. Uh, great, a great artist. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever see Jersey Boys on Broadway? Um, I saw it seven times. So <laughs> I saw it once on Broadway, but <laughs> I saw it twice in Cleveland, once in Toronto, once in Las Vegas, <laughs> I think even once in Atlanta. <laughs> so I've seen it. A lot of places. Oh, and once in uh, Palm Springs or near Palm Springs. I've seen it a lot of times. <laughs> I've only seen it once, but it was fantastic. It's one of my favorite shows. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. The only the only movie or show I've watched more than that, I should tell you, yeah. is The Magnificent Seven. I don't know if you've ever seen The Magnificent Seven, the movie, the original movie. That's yes, the no. only one I watch more. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Love this show? Tell us why in a five-star review on iTunes, and we'll read it on the air. Also, make sure you are a subscriber. If you want to reach out to say hi or have a question about a recent episode, yay, well, feel free to email us at podcast at fitboundgirls.com. And if this podcast jives perfectly with your brand, consider sponsoring the show. Get more info by emailing advertising at fitbottomgirls.com. Find all kinds of Fit Bottom goodness online and on social media at Fit Bottom Girls, Fit Bottom Mamas, Fit Bottom Eats, and Fit Bottom Zen. And if books and movies are your thing, check out the other podcast I co-host called Book vs. Movie, which you can find anywhere where you search for podcasts. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.